Hello, and thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. We're so excited you decided to join us and listen in today. Now let's check out a recap of this past Sunday's message entitled Summer in the Minors with our lead pastor, Scott Hunter. So you should know, Satan, that when you shut me up, I just get a bigger mic. Okay. So the Babylonians, they took the Jewish people and they put them all into captivity. So for 50 years, they were, they were stuck in a place where they felt like there was like no relief and no hope coming. And so the first time in 50 years, though, there's this remnant of people that get to go back and rebuild the temple, okay? To rebuild the temple in their homeland. Under the governor, Zerubbabel, about 50,000 or so got to go and rebuild the city. And the first priority, though, of building the city was to build the house of God. So they started building the temple. They got the foundation laid. They got the altar built. But then they were met with some resistance, right? And guess what they did? Did they just finish the job and ignore the haters? No. They gave up. And for 14 years, the temple sat there unfinished, with zero progress. So how did God respond? So how did God respond? He called Haggai up from the miners and says, listen, I need you to call the people back to me and get them back to the task. Don't just focus on your houses, God says. Let's focus on my house. So let's put God first. And we're gonna pick up with that story, that context in mind, all right? So let's look at Haggai 1.13 is where we're going today. And this is what the scripture of God teaches us. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Everybody say, I am with you. So we're gonna come back to this thought. God says, I am with you, declares the Lord. Verse 14, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. That's 50,000 Jews. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Now, what did God do? Start up first the heart of the governor, right? The leader. Then the heart of the pastor. Then the heart of the people. What does God often do in your life when you're least expecting it? Something you will see something, it will break your heart, and God will start to stir your spirit. God will often stir your spirit. For what breaks his heart will then begin to break your heart, and you and I say, well, somebody's got to do something about it, it might as well be me. See, God gives you the hope to accomplish something specific that God puts in your mind and in your heart and sometimes right in front of your path, right in front of your face. And these are not just like good ideas. These are God ideas. And God did this for his people. He gave them a sense of faith. He said, hey, wake up. And they're like, we got to rebuild this temple, right? He stirred up their spirit. Something happened. Something clicked. And this will happen to you at some point in your life, I promise you. For those who follow Jesus, there are going to be times like out of the blue, you think, I'm supposed to do this. Or I feel called to do that. Like mission expansion has hit my heart. I do not know why. But when we are planning the year out in May, because we plan our entire year, the preaching calendar, all of our events, everything that we will do for the following year, and I was like, it's missions. And I just know that this is where we're going to focus a lot of energy this year. And Rita Mullins, she's been called up to the majors to lead this movement. 
and she's doing a bang-up job and so much behind the work, behind the scenes work, man, I promise you, she's getting so much ready. And God is about to call some of you up to join us, to step in with Casey DeSantis' vision for Hope Florida, to stir your heart like he did mine, like he did Rita's. See, sometimes you'll just know, like you know I have to do this work, and then you're just going to get this boof, this boost of faith, right? This, this push. It's like God slapped you upside the head with the two by four, and all of a sudden you're paying attention. Oh, wow, that stings, right? Because God's trying to get your attention to a specific issue, and then you'll want to attack it, and all because God has what? Stirred up your spirit. Say, I'm stirred. I'm stirred. Say it like a little bit, like chingy. All right, listen. Haggai's story goes this way. They came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty. They said, we got this. We're going to build this amazing temple. We can do this. And then one month goes later, like just passes by, and what happens? <gasps> they quit. Seriously. They're like, we can do this. month later, pfft. No. This is what happens. They had this big religious festival because the Jews like to throw parties, right? And so they all get around the construction site, and people start saying, this is all that there is? Like, this is pathetic. You call this progress? Y'all need to call Haney Manny, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody was discouraged. They were embarrassed. They're like, we're trying to do our best. If you don't like it, why don't you build it? And then everybody just walked away. Everybody just quit all at the same time, one month in. Now, let's be honest. How often does that happen in our lives? We're going to do this. We're going to attack this. And then we flame out before we ever get started. Like I did it <laughs> this past winter. Not totally proud of this, but I decided to take up something, and it didn't go really well. Like, not at all. Right? I'm at the age where society says, like, Pastor Scott should go buy a hot rod because he's in a midlife crisis. And I was like, nope, I'm going to attack this thing. I'm just going to get a hobby because all I ever do is work and watch sports. So I was like, I can do this. I was watching the Christmas cookie challenge with my wife. And I was like, they're flooding cookies. It's so much fun. I totally think I could do this. I'm super artistic. I can do that. I want to flood cookies. I'm going to make sports team cookies. I'll make Star Wars cookies. I'm going to do all kinds of fun things that boys never do with cookies. I was like, Tabby, buy me this stuff. And sure enough, that's what I got for Christmas. A lot of it. And I tried. First round of cookies in, I learned I suck. I cannot do <laughs> what they do on TV. I can't even draw a straight line. You're supposed to pick it up and drop it. And I dropped it like it was hot, and it was a hot mess, right? My second time in, somehow, even with the book, even with tutorials, even with practice, I got worse. My cookies looked like if you took them, you got them flooded, and you dropped them on the ground, and they flipped face side down, and you picked it up, and you were like, oh. And that's what my first attempt looked like. But I didn't drop it. I just had zero skill. So that was a waste of money. So anybody that wants real cookie stuff coming around this Christmas time, come see me. I'll give you a bunch of stuff. Now, listen, we're all like that to some degree. We can attack. We can build this temple, right? We can start a cookie company. One month later to the day, we say, mm, I'll pass. And I don't know what it is for you. Like, we say, we're going to get out of debt, right? We're going to get out of debt. We're going to get out of debt. And you're like, oh, snap, Christmas is five months away. We got to get Pastor Scott some cookie classes. No, you don't. But you're like, well, we can't start now. Kids need braces. We can't start now. We say, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to go on a diet. And then they open up a new Dunkin' right there on the corner of the Fred George in Mission Road. And you're like, I got to support the community. We will start the, do the donuts now. Diet Monday. 
I'll start Monday. Five months later. Listen, we say we're going to go to the gym every year. We all go to the gym in January, right? And we're at the gym, and we're like at the end of the month, not much change. So like in February, where are you? <laughs> where I am? Binge watching Netflix on the couch. We say, we're going to do this. And what we have, what, so what we don't do is we don't make the progress that we want, right? It's not moving fast enough. We're not doing what we think that we should be doing. We're not making the progress we think we should be making. And then we just get incredibly discouraged. And so we just tap out. That's what exactly happened to the people of God. We're going to do this for God. We're going to start. It's going to be amazing. And one month in, they just, they didn't do what they expected. They didn't see what they wanted to see. And they just get discouraged. And the people start talking mess at them. And they just flat out sat out. And so then Haggai shows up and asks them this question. And it's the most loving response from God. I absolutely love it because it begins to get to the root of their discouragement. So if you're discouraged today, perhaps you're discouraged because one of these two reasons I'm about to lay out and it's going to be revealed to you. Here's some answers that you need to hear in Scripture today. Haggai 2.3. Haggai asked them on behalf of God, who is left? Who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? Like who saw the former temple? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem like to you like, like nothing? So in other words, who's old enough in the room to remember what Solomon's temple looked like? right? And then he looks at yours and says, does this one look like nothing to you? Zechariah 4.10, do not despise the small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Hmm. Two causes of discouragement I want to talk to you about today. Number one is comparison. Number two, lack of progress. Let's talk about comparisons. All right. Very... <laughs> Very certainly, these people are doing the same thing that we do. We do it all the time. They're comparing their start with somebody else's finish. Isn't that annoying, right? We just started, but the temple doesn't look anything like that other temple did, so your finish is much better. So, like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to not do it. In fact, the Bible estimated that Haggai is probably in his mid-70s at this point when he wrote this book. And, and biblical scholars believe that he was prophesying to them at this time, which means that he's 50 years in. So back in the day when the temple existed, he lived in Jerusalem, and he was a teenager. So yeah, he remembered it. How many people remember something from their teenagehood? Not usually the good things, right? All right. But Solomon's temple was amazing. And this one that they've started is not amazing at all, guys. So yeah, there's this weird sense a comparison. Now, I don't know about you, but I get discouraged a lot. And, and when I compare where other people are at and where I'm not, because I want to be there. Instagram makes people feel like garbage. Most times I scroll through and in my mind, I'm thinking, Scott, this is just a perfect shot. Or when the kids are arguing, they don't really look like that. Scott, you can't see how their parents threatened to kill them two minutes before. You better smile and stop punching your sister in the face. Right? But we see the Insta family. We see the Insta house. We see the Insta vacation. We don't see the Insta debt. We don't see the Insta pretend happiness. Some of it's real, I'm sure. There's a lot of good times that you put on there, but I'm telling you, hmm, a lot of times, my friends, there's way more than one filter being applied. 
Now, some of us get FOMO, fear of missing out. I know a few of you in the room that like, oh, I've got to be a part of everything. You'll look at social media and you're like, well, she was invited and I wasn't invited. Or he's traveling for the third time in his business to Hawaii. My business sends me to Sop Choppy, right? If you don't know where Sop Choppy is, they pull worms out of the ground for a festival. Only in Florida. Or like their house got an epic in-ground pool this week with a diving board. But yours is like mine. It's an inflatable one from the Walmart. Doesn't even have real walls. You sit on it, all the water falls out, and so do you. Listen, you're comparing all these different things, and suddenly you feel just discouraged, right? Like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my family? What's wrong with my career? What's wrong with my body, right? It messes with you. And so the Jews in this moment, they were comparing what had happened to what was happening right now. And they're like, this is our, our, our attempt. It's pathetic. It's little. This is nothing like Solomon's temple. And so they were Instagramming before apps and iPhones ever were invented. We're a failure. We feel so discouraged. But then there's number two, which is the lack of progress. And this is what they said. We're a month into this, and it's just not going well. Like, I saw it off my big toe, and I keep falling over to the right. Like, I thought, because I watched so much of the Magnolia Network, that I would be like Chip and Joanna Gaines, and I am more like Tim Allen. Listen, they made it look fun. They made it look easy, but it's not, right? So we're trying hard, but we're not getting anywhere. We're not getting to where we want to be, and that's how we feel. So you're going to say, listen, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to get in shape. And so for the whole month, you do nothing but eat kale and almonds. And you gain two pounds from eating that trash devil lettuce, and you develop a nut allergy. For what, Lord Jesus? Right? Or you start a business or whatever. You take two steps forward, and it feels like two steps backwards. Or maybe you got this whole thing where you're like, I'm going to work on my spiritual self. Right? And you feel like you're, you're lacking progress. You think that I've been a Christian all this time, and I seriously, I can't even control my mouth. Like I say a lot of bad words. I mean, especially when I'm driving. Not me, of course. This must be your scenario. Listen, like we're going to church because, dang it, I'm going to keep trying. And yet we cussed all the way there. Why? Because we're late. Why? Because my stupid kid decided to wear two different shoes as an experiment. Right? Because he thought it would be fun to try. We do it, we live it, and but like last week's message, we hear in our brains, you think at this point I would be better off. I think I would be, I thought I would be in a different place than I am today. So you just kind of wake up internally discouraged, incredibly discouraged, that I'm not where I thought I would be. She's ahead of me, he's doing more. They've got this, I don't have this. I'm trying my best, I'm not making spiritual progress. And so one day you feel like these people did. I'm not even sure it's worth it. I'm not even sure it's worth it. And certainly in a group of people this size, there's got to be somebody connecting with at least a category of this right now. And you're thinking, listen, I'm giving everything to my marriage right now. And I'm trying to put up with this whatever person that doesn't even engage in what we're trying to do. I don't know if I want to try anymore. I'm giving my best but I'm not getting anything back. Some of you, man, with your kids, you are praying circles around them all the time, and you're giving them good, sound, biblical advice, but the world seems so much louder. 
than your voice. And you're doing everything you can help your kids to make good decisions, but could they be any denser? Right? It's so discouraging because you know that you've tried everything you know what to do. You can see the cliff that they're headed towards and you just want to grab their shirt and yank them back. But you're trying to figure out how do I make them listen? And you get really discouraged. I'm going to be real with you. It's a little bit risky because when they tell you things and I overshare and I bear my heart to you, like that does not mean I want letters or be like, oh, we love you, Pastor Scott. I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm telling you, I'm not whining, but I just tell you the things I tell you is because I'm real. You know? I have to, or none of this matters. So I live with this, this either sometimes low grade, sometimes medium grade, sometimes high grade discouragement. And I guess uh, it's where I kind of get sidelined sometimes. Like this has been something that I battled since I was a little kid. And typically, number one, the thing that I, that I get discouraged about is that I feel like Paul, where Paul says, man, I, you know, I, I'm doing what I don't want to do, right? Or I can't believe I did this, or I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. Or I get discouraged because I feel like I'm, I'm not good enough a lot, right? Not with my walk, not with my parenting skills, not with my leadership skills, not as being your shepherd, not juggling church staff, Shine Tallahassee, my family, and somehow in the middle of that, finding some kind of rest. And the devil likes to just jump on me and just whisper, <laughs> you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure. And I quote scriptures in this face. I knock out his ugly teeth all the time. But I'm telling you, it's just a battle that I face. And you say, why in the world are you telling me this? Because I'm just trying to level the playing field, okay? So we can all be depressed together, hallelujah. No, I just want you to know where I live, that we all live at this point, some point in our lives, some more than others. See, see we're doing this and we're doing that and, I, and, and we're like, I'm trying so hard, but I'm not seeing the progress I want to see. But here's what matters. Our response is what matters. Our response to this moment, our reaction and our course of action that follows can either make or break you. So what do you do when you find yourself constantly being discouraged? I want to show you what God tells his people to do. We're building the temple. It's not going well. It's never going to be as good as Solomon's. We're doing the best we can. Nobody seems to care. It's not just good enough. So God gives the most loving and simple instructions. And that's what's beautiful about this book. Like, he just reveals the heart of God by what he says. Do you remember last week where they're like, I don't know how to build a temple. And God says, let me give it to you in three simple steps. Go up to the mountain, bring down the temple, timber, and build the temple, right? So it's easy. Just go do what you are supposed to do step by step. One, two, three. Up the mountain, cut down some trees, build a temple, right? So it, it's so much harder to do the right thing, is it not? So God says, why don't you just choose the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing? Because we don't live by our feelings. So no matter how I feel, I'm going to do, Lord, what you told me to do. This week, when we get discouraged, what do we do, God? Watch how loving he is. Watch his response. 
He talks first to the governor, the people in charge, then the pastor, the ones that will shepherd, and then the sheep. And he tells them all the exact same thing. Verse 4, chapter 2, God says, But now be strong, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Why? God says it here again. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. So what do you do when you get discouraged? Two steps again. Be strong, do the work. Let me say it again because somebody wasn't paying attention because I made y'all depressed. Be strong, do the work. So what do I do, God? Well, be strong and do the work. When you get discouraged and you want to give up, what do you do? God says, be strong, do the work. The great news, you don't, have, you don't got to be strong in your own power. We live in New Testament times, and our New Testament teaches us, Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is really impossible, right? But with God, all things are possible. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things, everything, anything, through Christ who gives me strength. Ephesians 3, 20, Glory belongs to God, whose power is at work in us. By his power, he can do infinitely more than we ask or imagine. And what is the power? The very Spirit of God. Romans 8, 11. If the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from death, lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies by the presence of his spirit living, abiding, and dwelling in you. Acts 1.8, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled, everybody say filled, with power so that you're going to go and you're going to be a witness to the ends of the earth. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who or what could possibly be against us? If I have the Spirit of God living in me, dwelling in me, <laughs> catching me on fire, what am I worried about? Why am I depressed? Because who or what in this world is bigger than the God that I serve? Who or what has more power than who is living inside of me? And just a reminder, Romans 8:38, I am convinced that nothing could ever separate that love of God, that experience with God, that living, dwelling, Holy Spirit moving in my life, moment by moment, breath by breath, existence with God, because God's love is never going to be separated from you, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even all the powers of hell could ever separate you from the love of God. He is in you. He is for you. He is not leaving you. He loves you. And he loves you so much that not even all the powers of hell can stop him from loving you, from using you, from giving you a purpose and a destiny to live out of this world. I love 2 Corinthians 12 or 9. When you're weak, he's strong. It says his strength is made perfect through you. Like, in other words, I don't have to be strong. I don't have to be strong in my own strength. I've got supernatural strength dwelling within me. The same spirit of, <laughs> that raised Christ from the dead dwells within someone who believes. So, when he is strong, I don't got to be. In fact, when you can't do anymore, when you're about to give up, 
That's when you're the perfect candidate for God's strength to be strong through you. So be strong in the Lord. And just do the work. Just begin. Just hit the start button. Stop delaying. Get off the couch and just start. Be strong. Do the work. Notice he didn't say talk the talk, but do the work. Notice he said, didn't say get it perfect. No, just start the work. He didn't say dream the dream. No, he said just do the work. He didn't say compare all the results. No, just do the work. So when you're discouraged, you're strong in his power and you do the work. Get busy. That means put down another stone. Scott, I just put down a stone over here and it doesn't seem to be making any kind of difference. Like, what do you do? Well, you be strong and then guess what? You, you stack another stone on top of that and you begin to build. But it's not working out. Well, that's called waiting on the Lord. And you and I are called to obey, right? And consistently do the last thing that God has told you to do. So if God says, start the work, we just keep working. Consistently choosing the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing. Consistently do the work. You put down a stone, then you put down another stone. Would it be easier to go home? Yup. But God says, be strong. And just show back up when you don't feel like it, when your energy is zapped, when your spiritual strength seems gone, I don't care. Pick up a rock and do the work I told you to do, the Lord says, and then just watch me come through for you again. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness this leads me to the principle that I live by, that I swear by, that I will die by. <laughs> I will get back up, and I will do the work. Nobody else is doing the work. I don't care. I'll do the work. And when I face those moments where I have, like, that constant nagging discouragement, I lean in harder <laughs> to the Word of God. So, sorry, Satan. It backfires on you, buddy. I will be strong. And I will show up even if nobody does. I will do the work. I will scrub the toilets. I will shampoo these stupid carpets 1,562 times. I will stack these daggum chairs. All right? I will spend hours praying and praying and praying. I'll continue to seek God on your behalf. I'll continue to study his word. I'll continue to lead with every ounce of energy and every Red Bull stacked in my refrigerator. I promise you, I will preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again, and he is here present today to transform lives. You will not shut me up. I will not water down the word of God. I will teach again and again and again that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for each and every single one of you. Why? So he can empower you to go and do what you've been called to do in this earth. I'm just gonna keep stacking stones one after another, after another, after another. So you can pick up a rock and join me. But I'm telling you, there's somebody here today that's even right now comparing themselves to what I just said. And you need to mentally delete some apps in your mind and off your phone. And just show back up, be strong in his power, and do what you've been called to do. Be strong in the Lord and do the work. And so what I love about this is why God's word is so powerful to us is that it just, it's the only truth, but it's the truth. And again, it stirs your spirit. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, 
in God's timing, in God's moment, we will reap a harvest if we do what? Not give up. If we stay strong and do the work, why? And then again, it says, because I am with you. And that's the key to all of it. It's not that you do it on your own. It's that you do it with him. What God was doing to show his people is the most, like, world-changing view for them. They had never even heard this. And since the beginning of time, we're going to jump forward through a few verses here. And it is this, this foreshadowing of awesomeness. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the ocean and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill the place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's army. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven armies. And the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's army, has spoken. See, you can, you can see even like historic, or sorry, like even secular historians, let's put it that way, saw that Zerubbabel temple like was like nothing in awesomeness compared to what Solomon had built. So if you read this, you're like, well, God, you said it was going to be greater. So what are you saying? As they were hearing this, they had no idea that Acts chapter 2 was coming. <laughs> you see, through all the Old Testament, what happens in the physical is a picture of what is about to happen in the spiritual and the New Testament. It's that whole foreshadowing thing that God shows physically what he's going to do spiritually. Like he'll show naturally what he's about to do supernaturally. And here's how. God says, the glory of this present temple will be greater than the glory of the former temple. How can that be? They could not even imagine it. You know why? Because he was about to make us, his temple. Those who are followers of Jesus, you are actually the replacement temple. You are the house of the Spirit of God. Your body is literally the house where God Almighty dwells. First John 4, 4, children, you belong to God, and you have defeated these enemies. God's Spirit is in you and is more powerful than the one who is in the world. Maybe you've heard the scripture like this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Why? Because I am his temple. And God Almighty lives within me. Christ is literally taking up residency, space. And he is my strength as I obey. And I keep putting down stone after stone after stone. I get to experience that Jesus Christ, his glory dwells in me. And every time that you put down a stone in his name, you are glorifying him. When you serve somebody, he's being glorified. When you love somebody, he's being glorified. When you forgive somebody, he's being glorified. When you lift up his name, he's being glorified. That's why we should not be discouraged, because we are not alone, ever. And we don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to sacrifice in hopes of finding God, because he came to us. He gave us his son, the ultimate sacrifice, so that we could be right with him and with him all the time. Therefore, Jesus dwells in those who are believers, <laughs> and that is the greater glory he's talking about. You don't ever have to be discouraged because you're never alone. He's with you. He's inside you. And he's never going to leave you. Neither death nor life. <laughs> nor angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even all the power of hell can separate you from the love of God. So be strong and do the work. Because I'm with you, declares the Lord.
And therefore we know that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to you and carry out it until completion. So let us not be weary in doing good because in the proper time, you're going to reap a harvest and it's going to blow your mind. So if you're discouraged, you just pause today and remember that God came to you. He made the sacrifice so that you could be right with him. And he's not just with you, he's in you. You're not alone. And therefore, because he is, everything that he calls you to do, you have the power to do, even if it looks impossible. Why? Because we serve God of the impossible, because all things are possible with Christ Jesus. And his spirit is at work in you today, and by the power of him, we can do infinitely more that you can even dream up, that you can even imagine, that you can even ask for. So be strong. Don't quit. Stack the stone. Do the work. And in time, you're going to see something amazing built by the power of God Almighty, working through you, making it possible. Because with God, all things are possible. Thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can check us out every week for our Sunday experience at 10 a.m. on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person here at 4070 Mission Road right here in Tallahassee. All right, have a great day.
Thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can check us out every week for our Sunday experience at 10 a.m. on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person here at 4070 Mission Road right here in Tallahassee. All right, have a great day.